0: It's June the 10th. Somehow we're getting really close to the middle of June and my July, I, I, July, June, July, <laughs> I'm still in the beginning of summer. My point is the same. Uh, the time is flying mm-hmm. by way faster than my to-do list. Seems like I'm in that cycle where I'm overstating what I think I can get done in a day. So we always un- overestimate what we can do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a year or 10 years, but summer's moving fast. So thanks for joining us. So the first article to talk about today is that I updated the acreage article that Brent and I talked about, the idea of what's the distribution or the range of possible ending stock outcomes for corn in light of that 5 million acre decrease. Take a look at that article. It's a pretty big change. I'll just, I'll I'll grab one statistic, right? So earlier the model said there's about a 57% chance of ending stocks for corn finishing above. 20%, 20%, so 20% stocks to use and now it's somewhere around like 18 or 20%. So that's how big this acreage shift happens didn't take all the risk off the table but did shift the outlook a little bit.
1: I think that's an important point and a useful way to kind of visually look at it. So a couple things have happened. We you know you've kind of removed some of the acreage additional yield from acreage and i think the yield distributions are are they starting to narrow a little bit too david
0: so in this particular article or th- that i did we only looked at that acreage shift right? Oh, only the acreage only the acreage but we were talking beforehand i think you know there's a lot of chatter about yields this time of the year right and you know usda is coming out with a big report that was the report here after we record this later today everyone usually gets upset about the how they do or don't change acreage. I think they've changed corn acreage once in the last 10 years is 2012. But you and I are talking about, it seems like we've taken the tails out of some of the, the yield uncertainty. We're probably not going to have 190 bushel or higher national yield, or we probably aren't going to have a 2012 like event. So we haven't modeled that into that article yet, but I think that's the other part of the situation that's going on. So we're taking out some of the tail there.
1: USDA on this report has a history of not really changing the yield right in this room I mean it can I mean obviously they can they can change things whenever the analysis dictates it but at this point this is uh, the analyst would have to have a lot of evidence to do such and usually that evidence they're going to wait for the the yield surveys and and other things to start doing that and they're this estimate doesn't do that.
0: Yes, they can't. They have the ability to move the yields, yeah. but it would have to be an extreme movement. And then even when they move it, they sort of move it just a little bit into that direction, right? So if all of us on Twitter think it's going to be a 2012-like year, they're not going to move it down to 2020 levels, right? They're going to move it towards uh, something below trend, but they're not going to go all the way. They need that survey stuff to really uh, move right. estimates. Of course, those come a little bit later in september that's coming up to later on today so brent we also have been working on a thinking about the crop budgets for 2020 a little bit this Mm -hmm. week so share your thoughts real quick and and i'll uh see if i have anything to agree on differently or disagree on
1: it's interesting when you start looking at the data for 2021 like where we're going to be uh, right now, if you use like the futures prices and everything, uh, the budget picture, I was afraid was going to be really, really bad. It turns out it's it's not good, but it's not what I would consider really, really bad. So part of the reason is we have seen a pretty steady improvement in um, cost of production declines over the last five or six years and so that's helping a little bit. you know fertilizer prices down a little bit, some of the fixed costs falling a little bit. Those things have kind of cumulatively added up to make the budget situation not horrific, I guess, but uh, not not good but still okay. I, I think it'll be one where farmers certainly probably not going to be looking at meeting your economic true economic costs of production. So a couple of years ago, our,
0: you know, you sometimes can get lucky and have a, a catchphrase that's pretty easy, right? So a couple of years ago, it's, you know, if we can get four dollars futures prices, we're going to get close to break even, right? So if you look at the December twenty-one corn futures price today, it's at three eighty or so, and so that's going into this budget projection, right? And so we're not at four dollars, so it starts to seem very concerning when you're not when the futures prices are low, but the cost structure has improved over the last few years, pretty significantly, so. Fertilizer prices, fertilizer expense was at the lowest it's been in the last 10 years back in in the spring of this year. So that's been a huge source of improvement. Flan costs and cash rent have worked their way lower. And so the temptation to avoid looking at the budget is pretty strong because of the price signal, but uh, the cost structure has continued to improve and that's a huge source of some improvement on on the ledger.
1: One thing I think that's a little bit concerning is that a big part of the reason financial times and farming are not a lot worse than they are now is we've had huge government payments and those have all been ad hoc and man it's hard to understand what's going to happen with those things that far out we're not really hearing much talk of additional i haven't heard much discussion of additional farm program payments i mean have you no
0: no Yesterday there was an announcement that they're going to expand the number of commodities that could be included in the CFAP program that was back in the spring. And it got down to things like alfalfa sprouts and blueberries. But to, to your point, I have not heard of a program that's going to benefit or target the crops growing in the ground right now. Yeah. Um, and if we don't get one of those, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really challenging for big parts of the, the Midwest think
1: it's shaped up to be that'll it'll be a tight tight year because you got to remember the other thing to remember is that you know the PLC payments those are potentially on the table but those are going to those won't come until for this crop that's growing right now nearing pollination those payments won't come till over a year from now uh and the payments that are going to come on the PLC program for corn in what september october are not going to be real big i don't think i've seen estimates you know you might be looking at you know five ten cents or something wheat is going to get a pretty big one but corn soybeans no soybeans may never trigger a plc payment
0: we were actually looking into the 2021 budgets right and we could look at what that price is and compared to plc it's not even, we have not seen a forecast that would have a PLC trigger of the soybean at the soybean prices that we're looking at right now. So yeah, so the traditional, I think to summarize what your your point is, is that the traditional farm bill safety nets aren't very effective at the moment. And that's a real struggle. And there's a lot of reasons why they're not effective. And we've talked about those in earlier articles, but uh, we can't count on ARC and PLC to save the day here in 2020. And as we as we finish up this calendar year and uh, we got to watch for those ad hoc programs. I think there's going to be another, I think Brent, there's a strong chance of Congress coming back in July and passing a new stimulus program. And I think that that's what the USDA is waiting on is how much of it gets into the stimulus and what kind of direction does Congress give the USDA for this? So I don't know, stay tuned. We'll have to see what happens there. So I guess one last thing I'll share, this is something we chatted about earlier seems like there's just a lot you can go on twitter or the news or whatever and you can find a positive story and a negative story about any topic that you want so i was thinking about you know this imaginary house that on one side it's the beach and it's hot and sunny on the other side of the house it's a ski resort and if you spend time on either side when you go inside the house it feels different if you're going from the beach it's hot you go in, it's like oh this is a nice cool house and you go to the other extreme the ski lift you go and it's like oh the house feels nice and warm well the house is the same temperature and it seems like we're in this situation where it is very extreme we've had very extreme bearish outlook in ag in the u.s economy and things were starting to maybe improve just a little bit so everyone went inside the house and there's this group saying like oh hey we've seen some improvement and then there's another group that is yelling saying like no it's not warm in here i it's cold i just came from the beach really good decision makers have to really seek out a lot of information to think. So I just saw this morning articles about soybean exports at the lowest they've been in seven years and articles about soybean exports are really improving a lot. And so like, well, what are the implications for me as a decision maker in 2020? So anytime we back off the extremes, it starts to get challenging. It's an improvement of the situation, but we're probably not in a In a different paradigm right we've improved the outlook but we haven't shifted from a bullish to a neutral or bearish situation
1: yeah that's a that's a really good point i mean we always are it seems to me we often are seeking out information that confirms whatever biases we have and it's super easy to do today and and even sometimes it's not even confirming your bias it's just you get heavily influenced by people's emotional take on whatever it is and so just like you're talking about with the exports to China right are they really bad or hey is there you know are they really good and I think like you always say you can write alternative headlines with the same story most of the time and I think we just need to be aware of how is this playing on my emotions versus what is what is the data really saying? And what are the facts of the situation versus the emotional side of it? Because most everything, especially on social media, is designed to get an emotional response from you because they want engagement, they want you to like do stuff, and that's so that's the way it's structured, and it's important to remember that. When
0: you think about it, as you're scrolling through social media, right, you're just flipping your screen up. They're trying to write things that get you to stop and then give it a, a millisecond of attention. And then that millisecond of attention, they got to like get you to do something. Right. So, uh, it's not like you're watching the evening news and you're like engaged and you're you're watching nothing else or you're on an airplane there's nothing else to do as they push you away from the gate because they've turned off your cell phones and all these things and the only thing you can listen to is the safety announcement right there are a lot of distractions on social media so they've got to be really the headlines got to be really catchy. powerful the yeah. t- powerful super supercharged yeah um, all right well that's all we have for this week watch out for that usda Wazzy report that drops later this morning. We'll see if there's any adjustments. And then, of course, watching those weather models, if you're on social media, every 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 12 hours, I think we have a new set of maps. And so I'm tired of looking at those. But we're going to frame up the, the situation next week as, uh, as we see the new information. So thanks for joining us. Update your forecast. We'll catch you next time.
1: Thanks.